This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tez Encounters on Faith FM, coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current, and future events. Learn how to study the Bible more effectively, get to know who God is, why we're here, and where we're going, and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, David Leo, and today we have David Maxwell, or Max, joining us from Launceston for a series, The Teachings of Jesus Lost and Found. Welcome, Max. Hi, Dave, or should I say Leo, how are you? Yes, good, good, thanks, Max. That's good. Uh, it's good to have you back with us this week. Uh, each week, now, you'll be sharing a different psalm for our listeners, so mm. what do you have for us today? Yeah, we have a lot to choose from, uh, but I'm really picking my favourite psalms. And <laughs> I've got Psalm 27. It's a long psalm, but I want to read it, and I'll read it uh, fairly smoothly, I guess, fairly quickly, so we can get through it and I can explain why I picked it. So there's Psalm 27, it's a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp about me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he'll hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now my head shall be lifted up above all my enemies around me. Therefore I offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in smooth path, in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversary, for many false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I think that's a really mm. encouraging psalm, but at the same time, you can feel, you can feel the trouble uh, in that psalm as David is talking about it. You know, for, for nearly 30 years, the 30 years, the first 30 years after his anointing, he was anointed quite young. Yet he had to wait 30 years to be king. And during that time, he was pursued, a lot of that time, most of that time, he was pursued by Saul because Saul didn't want to give up the kingship. And he saw clearly that God had left him and had handed the the baton on, if you like, mm. to David for the future. So he was never sure when that was going to happen. But we don't know when the psalm was written, but David, as David clearly wrote it, he's saying, if I want to paraphrase the whole thing, and it's a bit hard to do that with so much in there, 
He says, Lord, don't abandon me in my trouble. I know mm. you can save me. So act, act, please act. I think it's a great psalm to think on today as we think about a time soon coming when those who are true to God will be found or exonerated and those who are against him will be brought to light and exposed. Justice will finally be served and the lost who've been found will go on to their eternal home together with Jesus and we'll see that shortly as we go through the program today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. There's a you know that powerful line at the end. I hear it a lot in songs, wait on the Lord. Mm. You know that there's a there's something about waiting on the Lord. You know, there's a, a, a an active an active waiting. You know, we, mm. we don't just wait around like we're waiting for a bus. You know, we <laughs> we do, do something. Yeah. And <laughs> David surely did for those thirty he did. years. He did, he did. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we're going to continue the, uh, the series. We are. We are. We, uh, I'll do a quick recap if you like. Yes. Uh, review of uh, the first week we did on this lost and found was the lost coin. And we learned that uh, God cares about us so much that he does all that he can to save even those who are lost within his house and don't know it. We looked at that with the lost coin. Then the second week in this, we looked at the lost sheep and we learned that God cares about all his sheep. So much so um, that he does everything he can to save him. And, and clearly the, the sheep referred to in that parable was people, us. And he doesn't wait for us to come to him. He goes out and actively searches out for those who are lost unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this was a message of encouragement for those who are like that. But also it was a rebuke to those who should have been doing this to other people. And then we looked at the lost son last week. Last week, we learned that God cares about all of humanity and he accepts back everyone, even those who are genuinely lost or purposely lost, I suppose, um, but genuinely return to him uh, when they were lost on purpose. And we also learned that during that process of winning them back, God also tries to influence those who are already saved, inverted commas, if you like, those who didn't go astray. But perhaps they have poor attitudes, and we saw that in the older brother. We just didn't know at the end of that whether the older brother came back to God or not, um, you know, accepted his his lost brother into the family because mm. of the impact it would have had on him. Uh, he was going to get his uh, uh, inheritance reduced, I guess, because the son came back in and was now entitled to something as well. So. How, how did it, how did he show grace? And the question was left there for us. How are we going to show grace to others that are lost and come back? Right. Yeah. Cause I remember you finishing that, you know, when we went through that last week, the story finishes without us knowing what, what did the mm. older brother do? You know, we left the yeah. limbo and it, the decision kind of rests on us. What will that's we do? You know, mm. that's, yeah. That was a great way to finish that off last week. But, um, we can, are the uh, past episodes? Yes. The past episodes, you can, if you if you haven't uh, already, you can download our uh, Faith FM app, or you can go to our website uh, on faithfm.com.au, and you can actually hear the whole uh, the whole the whole episode. If you have if you have missed any any from the past episodes of the lost son, the lost sheep, or the lost coin, and uh, so what have you got for us today on the teachings of Jesus, lost and found, the harvest? It's total uh, title mm, today. Mm. Yeah, well, it's not in. Not in a, uh, obviously a lost and found story, but I've seen within this uh, a lost and found story. So today, as I continue this short series on lost and found, we're going to look at this uh, topic entitled Harvest, The Harvest. 
And it's looking at another story that Jesus told about a good crop that was planted was corrupted by weeds. But first, before the break, I want to ask a listener question. And this listener question is agricultural (laughs) (laughs) because that's kind of the topic we're talking about. Uh, Have you ever weeded the garden, pulled up something you shouldn't have? And what did you learn from that? Um, Have you ever weeded the garden, pulled up something you shouldn't have? I once had a friend. Uh, who wanted to help his wife out in the garden. He told her, take the day off for gardening. I'm going to do it for you. So she was, she was happy about that. She stayed inside at a break from working in the heat and she just went in relaxed. Uh, my friend worked all afternoon. Uh, you know, he really did a good job. And after he'd finished, he went in and proudly announced, I'm done. The garden looks great. Uh-oh. And so she was, she was curious. She was impressed. She mm. was impressed. He did all that work and she went out only to explain, where's all my oh, flowers? No. Oh dear. <laughs> he'd, he'd weeded really, really well. He'd pulled out all the bulbs and all the ground cover and he cleaned up the garden. It was the all lot. that was left greeting her now was just a very neat, empty garden bed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. So sometimes, you know, it's really hard. I've, I've had the same experience. Sometimes it's really hard to know what's a weed and what's not a weed. And we're going to be talking about that today. Yeah. So, um, we've got a, we got our, one of our faithful listeners, David Edgar, sent to a message. Mm. He's saying a very good morning to Leo and Max. He, he knows how to refer to us because his name's David too. And so he's an Ed. We're going to call him Ed. Right, so, thanks, Ed. Yeah, thanks for for texting through, and uh, a big good morning to you, and to our listeners that are, that are listening. I got to say, uh, I learned too that um, if you pull more more than the weeds, I must mm. have been I must have been six or seven years old when <laughs> my mother thought, you know what, you've graduated, it's time for you to to come out and help with the weeding, and mm. uh, yeah, I took out her little. Uh, Veggies that I had no idea that were meant to be used for cooking. You know, I just thought they all look green to me. <laughs> so, yeah, so I weeded uh, the weeds and I weeded um, the veggies. Mum's mum's veggies that I had no idea that were used for for cooking. So I, I got into big trouble about that, and I tried to I tried my hardest to try and identify what the veggies. You know, oh, they are yeah. actually different shapes. <laughs> you know, yes, actually that's right. Yeah. So, so the, the listener question. The listener question. Have you ever weeded a garden like I have and mm. pulled up something you shouldn't have? Text us in your answer on 0488-880-891. We'd love to hear from you. So our next song that we're going to hear is from Wendell Kimbra, and it's called The Seeds of the Kingdom. How appropriate is it? Mm. <clears throat> Jesus scatters the seeds of his kingdom Far and wide he announces new birth It's song, but the powers of hell shall again still fail when the kingdom of God is grown. Oh, we wait for the Lord of the harvest, and we long for our King to 
Encounters on Faith FM, and we are talking with David Maxwell, or Max, if you're listening in, on the topic of the harvest. And we had a listener question. Have you ever weeded a garden and pulled up something you shouldn't have? Text us in your answer on 0488-880-891. So Max, we're continuing the series that you've been going through, the teachings of Jesus, Lost and Found. And today's topic, the harvest before the break, you said that today we're going to look at another story Jesus told, but a good about a good crop that was planted, which got corrupted with weeds. So, how are you going to start us off now? Yeah, thanks, Leo. So, yeah, today we're going to look at this parable that Jesus told about a landowner who planted a really good crop and then later he harvests it. And we'll look at the first century context um, first, and then we'll understand what Jesus was actually saying to the people who he spoke to first about this, the, the one that we have recorded in the Bible. Right. Then we're going to finish up uh, by applying what we learned to us today. I think this is a really good principle for us to use. Learn what it actually meant first and then apply that principle to us today. And we're still waiting for this parable to play out in full. It's a very interesting parable. A lot of the parables that Jesus told, they had uh, a first century application plus uh, an application for us today. But if both in this parable, both the first century and our century, our, you know, what we're living in today, our day are both waiting or were both waiting and are both waiting for this to still be fulfilled. So mm. first we'll, um, I'll, I'll pray and then we'll read the passage. I'll get you to read the passage that we're looking at today. Okay. So yep. let me pray for our listeners. <clears throat> 
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you're a God who hears us. And as we come to you today and we pray, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to speak to those who are listening today. Lord, speak through us, through your word, and may people hear what you're saying to them, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, so Leo, could you read our passage today, Matthew thirteen twenty four to 30 in the New Living Translation? Fantastic. I'll start. Verse 24. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce again, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and to put the wheat in the barn. Thanks, Leo. There's a lot of really interesting implications in this parable, and we might straight away jump to application. We often do. Oh, that means. But it's good if we unpack it and we see what was Jesus actually saying to those who were listening to him, and then, as I said, we'll apply that lesson. My opening illustration is doing a Judas Doing a Judas. Now, the story of Judas in the Bible is really well known. A lot of people know that he betrayed Jesus. He was his disciple. He's one of his close disciples, trusted disciples. He had the money. He had the money purse. Uh, he would, you know, help people out of that, but he would help himself too, as they found out mm-hmm. later. And he, he, right at the end, he betrays Jesus uh, to the Jewish authorities. Now, Jesus knew what he was like and didn't treat him any differently, but the rest didn't know until later on after he'd hanged himself and the whole story came out of what he used to do. Another person in history was similar to this called Benedict Arnold. Now, today's generation might never have heard of him. He's never, American. I've never heard of him. Benedict Arnold was, was a distinguished general in the American Continental Army in the uh, 1700s. Right. And he served in many battles. He rose to the rank of major general. He even had the full trust of, of General George Washington. Yet in 1780, at the height of this, this, uh, you know, American and British war, he defects to the British. Oh. Uh, and then he fights against, rises to prominence and leads the British army against the very men he had actually fought with in the Americans. That's dirty. It's dirty, yeah, and his name, Benedict Arnold, has become a name synonymous with treason and betrayal. And in my day, when I was growing up, if you, if you, uh, you know, behaved unjustly to your friends, they'd mm. call you a Benedict Arnold. Oh, in in my, at, in my school when I was growing up, that's that was something that people knew about. You know, there's nothing, so, there's nothing that burns you deeper when you trust somebody. Oh. You know. And not only did this guy turn their back on him, he went against them. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, you know, because they know your secrets. They know mm. your secrets. And that's mm. that's what's so hurtful. Yeah. So in the Bible here in Matthew, there are two groups of people mentioned who look alike, but in the end, it turns out they're very, very different. They're very different. So mm. Jesus tells this agricultural parable, and it's often referred to as the wheat and the tares or the weeds. And in this parable, a farmer plants only good seed, only good seed. Now, this is quite important because 
He only plants good seed. Now, I want you to remember that because when I later explain the parable, the Bible explains it actually, but when we later explain it, remember that the good farmer only plants good seed. It later gets corrupted, but we'll, we'll go into that. So in this, in this parable, um, in the evening after the farmer goes to bed and all the workers go to sleep, um, an enemy comes and plants weeds in among the wheat. And it's more than likely these weeds or tears in Jesus' day that he was talking about were something called darnel. And darnel is a poisonous weed. And when it's young, it's almost impossible to differentiate it from wheat. It's very, very similar. But uh, when it's mature, that's when you see, oh, this one's weed, this one's wheat. We would probably call it paspalum here in Australia mm. because that's very similar to wheat. Um, anyway, that's that's just my thought. I'm not sure what Darnell looks like, but that's similar to wheat. So sometime later when the wheat is maturing, it becomes really clear that there's weeds as well. So the workers... Knowing that the, the farmer only put in good, good seed, he, they ask the landowner, do you, do you want us to go and get rid of all the weeds? Mm-hmm. The landowner is, is really concerned that they might take good wheat as they pull out the weeds. And he says, no, no, just leave it grow together until the harvest and then we'll separate it. You can burn the rubbish and we'll bring all the good wheat into the barn. Mm. It's been a really sad experience of mine. To watch some people who I thought were strong in the faith of Jesus, strong in their faith, to fall by the wayside Mm. in their Christian journey as as both I and they journeyed in our Christian walk. And, you know, it's sometimes really hard to know what's really happening inside a person. And I think it's why we have to be really careful with our words because we don't know what someone's going through. We don't know when they're struggling with depression or, you know, these these negative things that Satan's throwing at them. And, and all we see is the result of what's happening. And we often forget to ask, how are you going? How are you going? What's happening with you? Can I help with something with you? And often you'll find that their harsh words towards you have got nothing to do with you. Mm. It's actually got more to do with what's happening with them. So Jesus speaks about the harvest when the crop is ready. And he, you'll note here that there's only one harvest, Leo. Mm. Um, it, it, the harvest is not immature wheat, but it's only of the mature grains. And the landowner doesn't go twice through the field. This is important as we think about what we believe about a number of topics in the Bible. So the landowner only goes through once. He doesn't, he doesn't go through once, gather up the good and then come back later and deal with the bad. He only goes through the field once and deals with the, both the good and the bad. Hmm. Wow. So, so this, this, go on. this reference that you're making, you, is Jesus relating to his second coming? Very good. Yes. Yes, he is. We'll see that in a little while. Hmm. When, when, uh, after the break, we see how it applies to his listeners. But, uh, rather than two harvests, there's just one. The landowner waits until the whole crop is ready. And then first, first, remember, we're talking about Jesus' second coming here. He's, that's what he's referring to. He first takes up the weeds and burns them. Hmm. He first takes up the weeds and burns them. Then what's left is taken and brought into his barns. So the landowner doesn't want a single grain to be lost, not a single grain to be lost. So he, in the one harvest, he deals with both first the weeds 
and then the weight. Right. So the uh, the implications of the scene coming is that he deals with both the good and the bad when he returns. It's not two separate At the same time. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. We had a series many, many years ago called the Left Behind series. And I'll, I'll mention this first a little bit later on, just in passing. It's in Matthew 24, and he talks about one taken and the other left. And so this whole series was made about Jesus coming and whisking away the believers without anybody knowing. Um, well, you obviously know once they're gone, but whisk them all away. And then everyone else was left to continue life as normal. In this parable, Jesus tells us that that doesn't happen. Mm. That doesn't happen. He deals with both at the same time. So Jesus is clearly here teaching that he's not coming first to remove the good, leave the bad, nor is he coming to remove the bad and leave the good, you know, at two separate times. You know, just life goes on as normal. Mm. He's coming to do both at once. He deals with the bad first, and then he takes the good to be with him in his barn. Important. We're going to get back to this after our break. Yes, thanks, David. And don't forget, listeners, we've got a, got a question. Have you ever weeded a garden and pulled up something you shouldn't have? You can text us on 0488-880-891 and make sure to keep that, that uh, number in your phone because we're going to have a free book offer later on. It's called Can a Saved Man Choose to be Lost? Can a saved man choose to be lost? So uh, if you want to claim a book uh, today, make sure to uh, stay tuned. I'm going to give a code after the break and you can um, text in to claim the book once uh, once you uh, text in the code. So make sure to stay tuned for our next section. We're going to go into a into a song now. This is called To the Only To the Only God by David Crowder, Shane and Shane. To the only God who is able From falling to the only God Be all glory and honor Majesty and power For all ages now and forevermore Steve and 
To Taz Encounters of Faith FM with Max. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. I tell you what, I gotta, I gotta learn to, uh, <laughs> I gotta learn to let that promo play out. But you're listening to Taz Encounters of Faith FM with David Maxwell or Max on his series, The Teachings of Jesus Lost and Found. And Max has been talking about the topic of the harvest. Now. Max, so before the break, you were saying that this harvest that Jesus speaks about here is his second coming. So when he is coming to deal with the bad and take the mm. good to be with him at the same at the same time, mm. how do you know that that's what this parable is referring to? Yeah, look, that's a really good question, Leo. I, I really love it when we read things in the Bible in places like this that seem a bit obscure at first, but then right afterwards, somebody says, "What does that mean?" And God says, this is what it means, you know, and you don't have to be left wondering. I really love that. You know, the Bible clearly explains what's meant by the passage. Do you like that? I do. I do. When it's, when it's plain and simple, you know, it's like, uh, sometimes in in prophecies, you're like, Oh, what does that mean? And then it just goes on like Daniel 2. Right. And this is what it is. It's like, Oh, this is what it means. (laughs) Like in Daniel, he's given the beasts and everything. And then he says, Oh, this is Greece and Medio Persia. And you think, Exactly. Oh, wow. They're named. There it is. Wow. (laughs) We can't make a mistake with that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, so that's what I really like here. Um, and, 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 Right here, when we look a little further in the passage, we see that Jesus' disciples, the first listeners, even wanted to know exactly what he meant. So they understood uh, um, mm. agriculture. They understood, uh, you know, planting and weeds and you know, wrong things coming into their crops and fixing it all up along the way. And then, you know, having a harvest, they only went through their crop once because the law actually said they were only allowed to go through their crop once. And they had to leave what was left for the poor and the widows and all the rest. They were not to go back through and do it again. I believe there was a prophetic implication there. But nevertheless, they understood what Jesus was talking about. But the disciples say, tell us exactly what you mean. Do we have this right? So Jesus explains really plainly. In verse 36 to 43, Jesus explains it really plainly for them. You know, I'm just going to turn in my Bible to it here. And here he actually explains. My heading says the parable of the tares explained. And in that passage, he tells them exactly what each part of the parable is talking about. He tells them that he's the landowner who only planted good seed. That means God, this is really interesting. I had somebody once who said to me, you know, do we have, there's this book of life that's, that's in the, that's uh, mentioned in the Bible. And it seems that if your name's in, you're saved. If it's out, you're lost. When I sin, does God take my name out of the book? And then when I'm good, he puts it back in and he takes it out and puts it in. It must be a messy book. Mm. And it's interesting as you read through the Bible, you find God has a book of life and every name is in that book until it's taken out. And this is why children are saved, because they are saved because of Jesus' sacrifice. They oh. are in the book. They haven't made a choice to be taken out yet. But one day... Each person, when they've used their choices up, they've, they've determined 
to resist God, God is forced to remove them from the book. Mm. And I think this is a wonderful truth about the grace of God, the grace of God. So he's the landowner that only plants good seed. And the field is the world and the the good seed are the people who are obedient to God. The tares or the weeds are those who follow the devil, and the devil is the enemy who sows those seeds in the world. So we have to be careful when it comes to parables that we don't take it so literally that we start saying things that are not biblical. So that if you took it too literally, you might say that... um, that the good seed is planted by God and it's always good and it's only going to be good and the bad seed is planted by Satan and it's only bad and it can only ever be bad and never the two shall meet. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Predestination, people call this, where you're either good or you're bad and you have no choice. That's taking it too far. That's taking it too literally. God is, Jesus is saying here, I plant the good seed, but it can be corrupted. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Right. So, so that's what the parable is talking about here. So the harvest, it says, is the end of the world, which in and of itself tells us there's only one harvest, because if the harvest is the, the end of the world, how can there be something else after that? So there's only one harvest. Mm. So as we reread the story, we see that God has made mankind good. The devil's come and planted his seed and he's corrupting mankind. The good seed are those that belong to God. The tears are those that follow the devil. So Jesus is explaining that the angels want to remove the bad. They see the bad in there. They see it growing. It's it's coming, and you can now determine which is good and which is bad, and, and they want to pull out the bad. And I think that's encouraging, that even the angels want us to live without the bad. Mm. But God doesn't want anyone to be pulled up by mistake. He doesn't want, oh, there's a bad one, you know, got some bad crop. I'll pull him out, and there was going to be a change later. He doesn't want them to be lost. So he allows them both to grow up together. He says, no, don't pull them out. When they're young, both look similar. Mm. If, if we're using the darnel as the example of the weeds, they were practically, as it says, indistinguishable as it was growing. So you can wow. barely tell the difference. So clearly in his day, Jesus wasn't speaking about people who were not professing to know or follow him because they would have been really obvious, different, wouldn't it? Their behavior, their words, their character would have been very, very different. So Jesus is not talking about people who are completely different. He's talking about people who are appearing religious in his day. Now, we know the people that Jesus often talked to who appeared religious were who? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. The leaders. Oh, I really cringe when I hear these stories. (laughs) I think, Jesus is talking to me, a leader. Wow. And I have to be very careful, you know, that I'm leading properly, that I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me and I'm giving my life to God every day that he might lead me and use me to help other people and mm. not hinder their walk with God. So so the people who are appearing to be good and in in essence they're devoid of the love of God, the Holy Spirit in their hearts, these are the ones that Jesus is talking to. So on the surface... They look like the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but underneath, they actually don't belong to God. And it's only when they're matured and their characters and intentions become clear that you can see the difference. Right. But until then, God says, don't, don't, don't try and decide. So the explanation of what happens when Jesus returns, the result is now clear for both groups as you read this explanation in Matthew 13 and verse 36 to, um, to 43. 
43. That's right. The parable we're looking at is Matthew 13, 24 to 30. And a big shout out to Joanna, who's just jumped online. Hey, Joanna. Um, yes. So the wicked are those who are not really following God and they're burned up like the weeds in the parable. And this is also explained in Second Thessalonians 2, 8. So Paul talks about this later and it says, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So he actually nails down when this is happening. Mm. In Revelation 19.21, it says, uh, the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. Now, it's not a man with a, ma- a big sword out of his mouth and he comes and mows everyone down like a like a, uh, a, a scythe, yeah. uh, that's, that's figurative. But it's talking about the same thing as Jesus is talking about in this harvest. It so, happens at one time. So these are, these are things that the Bible's revealing to us that will happen when Jesus returns. It actually literally yeah. comes back to earth. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. It's talking about Jesus' return and all those verses are together. So, uh, not only that, at this time, when those who are opposing God will be consumed or destroyed, those that remain are then the good seed or those who have been faithful to God. Now, as I said before, there's this Matthew 24, 40, a little bit further on in Matthew, where Jesus is talking about one is taken, the other is left. If you connect it with this parable, I'm not saying you do or you should, but if you connect it with this parable, the ones that were taken first, what happened to those that were taken first in the parable here that we're looking at? They were taken and burned. Bundled they were and taken burned. and burned. Yeah. Yet that left behind says they <clears throat> were taken away and those that were left weren't burned. Mm. And, and it reverses who's who. Right. And I think that's interesting. Right. So here in this parable, those that were first they're gathered up together and they're burned. And then those that are left go back to God, or go back to the barn, if you like, in the parable, but they go back to the, the place, God's place in heaven. So listen just a little further on in Second Thessalonians. I'm just going to zip across to Second Thessalonians here. Well, actually, I made a mistake there. It's First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 15 to 18. I want to read this. For I'm going to read from the New King James. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, the harvest, will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an arch, arch, archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This this would this would have given them at that time the 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 church in Thessalonica. It would have given them a lot of hope. Certainly, this is what Jesus is telling them back in Matthew because Paul is also told the same thing directly by God, and he goes on to tell the first century Christians about this later. But after the break, we're going to see how it then applies to us today. Yes, yes. This is getting really interesting. It's getting really good. So uh, we've got a book offer. Can a saved man choose to be lost? 
It's from Joe Cruz in the Library of Sermons number two. The power of choice is an amazing gift from God, but does it end once you have accepted Christ? Does eternal life really hinge on a single moment of decision? This is a great book for anyone who has questions about the once saved, always saved doctrine. What does it mean for Christians to leave their first love? And what it really means to be saved in Christ. So I'll give you the code after the break. Stay tuned. And also, um, I would love to hear from you if you want to just say hello. And uh, this next song is a beautiful hymn. It's called Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And this rendition is from Casting Crowns. so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how trust him how I proved you more and more Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust him so glad I learned to trust him precious Jesus Savior friend and I know that he is with me will be with me to the end Jesus Jesus how trust him how I proved you more and more Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust him Listening to Taz Encounters on Faith FM, and we are talking with David Maxwell, Max, on the topic of the harvest. I promised the code to claim our free offer. There's four copies to give away, and it's called 
Can a saved man choose to be lost by Joe Cruz from a library of his sermons? So for today's free offer, please text this code found for. So found the word for the, uh, the, the, num- the number with no spaces found for to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one to claim our free book offer today. So Max, before the break, you said that the good and the bad will, will be dealt with together at the harvest, which was Jesus' second coming. Mm-hmm. So I can see that as he described it very clearly to his disciples, he was telling them not to try to discern between those who follow God and those who don't, but leave mm. it up to God to do, <laughs> to be the judge, to be the one at the end of time. So mm. what message is there in this parable for us? Yeah, thanks, Leo. There's so much in this parable. We haven't got time to unpack every single thing, but we're going to look at just a little. And first, I want to use a modern illustration, one that's happened to me in the past, and I call it a Benedict Arnold. Remember, what was the Benedict Arnold? Arnold? A traitor, a dirty (laughs) traitor. Oh, there was a guy, there was a guy once that I worked with, actually hired him and then trained him up to do a job. He didn't want to do that job. He wasn't as skilled in that work and he'd like something else. So he sidestepped in the company, which was okay. That's fine. That's, that's what the whole, you know, corporation, um, improving people's lifestyle and work ethic is all about. So he stepped sideways. And then what I found out later, I thought we were working quite well together. Um, but as a number of our managers moved on and vacancies were created, I found out later that he was talking to the upper management saying, I'm the person for the job. Don't worry about David. He's not the person for the job. He can't do this. All of these other things. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. So I thought he was a good friend. And it turned out he was a Benedict Benedict Arnold. Arnold. (laughs) And in the end, he got the job and only lasted six months (laughs) and then said, I don't like this job. I'm not doing this job and went back to doing what he was doing before. And when they asked me, I said, well, it's too late. I'm moving on. And, and it's, it was really interesting to watch it happen. So likewise, it's very, very difficult for us to tell if someone's being true to God in their life and actions or whether they're just all for show. Uh, you know, God is telling us, don't worry about trying to work that out. Leave it up to him. Because, you know, we can't tell the heart. We can't read the heart. Yeah. He's going to decide when the time is right, when he returns. Because we, if we knew, we would treat them differently, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely. You know, but, but he doesn't want us to treat them differently, just like he didn't treat Judas differently. And Judas is about to, well, he's betraying him. He kisses him on the cheek to betray him. And Jesus says, friend. He calls his betrayer a friend right up to that moment when it's obvious what he's doing. So that's what Jesus wants us to do, treat people better. So it was important for the early church that they didn't get distracted in trying to determine who was working for God and who wasn't. And there's actually an example for this in the Bible. Uh, When they did, it leads to a church that becomes focused on the wrong thing and they lose their first love. So the the, uh, in the book of Ephesians... And in the book of Acts, we see that the Ephesian church is praised for their love, for mm. their love. Mm. And as, as, as Paul is heading to Rome and he's going to see the elders in, uh, in Ephesus for the last time, he meets them at Miletus and he says, 
when I go, watch out, because there are going to be people who come in that are going to try and pull the flock apart, and he's going to take people away after themselves. Watch out for those people. So if the Ephesian church goes, yeah, we better watch out for this. And then some 30, 40 years later, uh, when when John is writing his letters, God sends a message to the Ephesian church and says, look, you're doing great stuff, but you've lost your first, first love. love. So it appears they focus on the wrong thing too much. And while they, they, they're diligent to do the right thing, they, they, they lose their connection with God. And he says, you better get that connection back because if you don't, you're out of here. That's, mm. well, that's the message to them. So we've got to be really, really careful. So rather in this message, in this message in Matthew chapter 13, 24 to 30, where Jesus is giving this parable about the, the, the harvest, the wheat and the tares, he's saying the crop was to just do its job, grow and produce fruit, <laughs> become a crop, just do your job. Mm. Don't be trying to sort out, you know, that's not your work. <laughs> it's not your work. It's the reapers that will do that, Yeah, not the wheat. Now, that's a really important point. Sure is. Just be a crop <clears throat> and grow. The same is true for us today. This is the message for us today. There's not enough time for us to weed out all those who are not genuine in their commitment to God, okay? Sometimes it's really obvious and you've got to deal with things. That's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. But don't make that your priority. God doesn't expect us to do that. He's directed us to just keep growing as we should, keep maturing, focus on our relationship with God and be his faithful followers and produce a crop. Yeah. Okay, so there's okay. effort. There's there's something. There's a, there's a task involved for us. And at the end of it will be that God will sort out the good and the bad when he returns. He only wants us to continue being connected with him and producing the right fruit or the right crop. So remember, we've been looking at the lost and found. God wants us to keep doing the work that he was doing when he was here, and that was to seek and save the lost. That's the growing we do as a crop. You know, that's what we produce. We produce more good ripened harvest grains or whatever you want to call it. In the end, we don't know who's going to be saved and who isn't. Only God knows that. He knows the heart. So we shouldn't waste precious time doing someone else's job. It's, it's God's job. It's the reaper's job to sort out who's who. Mm. So I bring you back to our my, my opening illustration of doing a Judas, as we call it. Um, Judas was with Jesus but he wasn't really with him, was he? No. Benedict Arnold was with the Americans, but he wasn't really with them. It's interesting, his story, because word gets out that he wants to defect, and they're going to kill him. So he has to run to the enemy lines and and give himself up. So he runs to the enemy lines, and they don't kill him, and they keep him, and they, they let him defect. Sometimes we've got to let people run to the enemy lines. Mm. And that's hard. It's really hard to do. But nevertheless, sometimes in our Christian faith, we can be with Jesus, but not really with him. And you can't tell either with ourselves or with other people sometimes until much later on. Jesus wants us to remain focused on the job that he has for us keep our connection with God 
and to seek those who are lost and bring them to him so he can restore the good seed that he planted and produce a full and ripe harvest. We should leave the judging up to God, I think, Amen. and instead work on bringing the lost back to God so they'll be found as good seed in the harvest when those who are lost but are now fine, found will be finally recovered forever. I want to share one last verse with you before I, uh, I give you a bit of time there, David, to, to wrap up. It's in Second uh, Peter, Second Peter chapter. Where am I? Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, <clears throat> and it says this: You know, Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon, Dave. Yeah, amen. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises; some count slackness, but He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm-hmm. If you want to make sure you're in the right group at Jesus' soon coming. Please get in touch so that we can point you in the right direction and give you some resources or people to talk to. Yeah. David, I'm so glad you finished on that text, Second Peter 3, verse 9. We talked about David waiting for 30 years. Mm. How long has Jesus been waiting? Yeah. And Jesus waits for you and me and all our listeners to make the decision to choose him as the righteous judge, the righteous farmer, mm. you know, and uh, praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> but thank you, David. Thank you so much for sharing today on... Um, an amazing parable and a sobering one as well for us to remember there is a there is a time where jesus has to make that decision and praise the lord it's jesus making that decision so next week on the teachings of jesus lost and found we're looking at the rich man and lazarus a preventable choice choice so i can see you linking everything together as we discover how god will eventually recover all those who are lost and have returned to him in this life and uh next week on wednesday I'll continue our uh, series on the, on the minor prophets, and it's similar to what David's been talking about, where Jesus is a judge, and he makes some he, prophets have to say some things that are very uncomfortable, but are needed for people to make decisions to choose God as their the savior. So uh, Zeph, uh, Zephaniah next week in the purifying fire, and uh, for the the book make sure to put them found for to claim the book can a saved man choose to be lost by joe cruz zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one and this last song is called here he comes by melissa otto Stronger than death My true one He holds me Oh, He holds me